Welcome to another episode of a Heart to Heart with Adoptions from the Heart podcast. My name is Nicole Fowler. I'm the Director of Social Services at Adoptions from the Heart and your co-host for this podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Elise White, Social Service Program Manager at Adoptions from the Heart and the other co-host of this podcast. Today, we have with us Jen Oglesby. Jen is a licensed clinical social worker in Pennsylvania and a certified grief care professional and educator. Thank you for joining us, Jen, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Jen, if you don't mind, would you be able to share a little bit about your background and what led you to become a grief and loss counselor? Sure. So I have been a social worker since, oh boy, um, 2006. <laughs> and I've worked in a variety of, I mostly did community-based care before I started doing clinical work. And I became licensed as a clinician in, I think, 2017. And I was not working in the grief arena like many people who work with grief. Um, it's not an area I think a lot of clinicians gravitate to until they have a personal experience with it and realize how um, valuable it is to have that support. So I've had several personal losses, but the one that really catapulted me into this work was when my uh, sister died. She was my best friend, person, only sibling, and she had brain cancer. And that whole experience I just realized there was so much about grief that I did not know until I lived it. And really just to try and get, get myself through, I started learning a lot about grief and loss. I, in typical social worker fashion, went looking for resources. So I joined groups and I, you know, did some more therapy and I read a lot of books and the education that I got about grief was so helpful for me. And just really understanding in a different way how much our culture, our families, our belief systems, all of it do not prepare us for navigating grief. And I became really passionate about, I started out just telling my story a lot, sharing my thoughts about grief. I really didn't plan to like move into that space, but it just sort of became the air I breathed that I wanted to talk about this more, talk about the things that people don't talk about, talk about what it's really like. And then I started getting more training so that I could work with people more directly to support them. And now it's, um, it's my favorite work to do. <laughs> thank you. I am so sorry to hear about your loss, but thank you so much for sharing with us and our listeners, because I know it's valuable and so many people experience loss and grief. And like you said, don't talk about it. Um, and that's part of the healing process. So we appreciate you sharing your story and helping others um, through that. So like I said, grief is a pretty universal experience, um, but it manifests differently for everybody. How do you approach understanding and supporting each individual through their unique grief journey? Mm -hmm. So grief is interesting because we think of it as an emotion, but it's actually, it's a response to loss. So it is social, emotional, mental, spiritual, um, physical, um, it's a whole body experience that affects every piece of our life and how we experience that is going to be impacted a lot by our relationship with who or what we've lost, um, our cultural beliefs, our family beliefs, the resources and support that we have, whether the loss was expected or not. I mean, the list goes on and on. So my goal as a therapist is to just meet people where they are um, and 
one of the things that happens a lot in grief is just everything feels so overwhelming and out of control. And so a lot of what I do is help people figure out not how to make those feelings go away, but how to be with those feelings and find points of grounding, find points of agency. Like there's so much about life that we can't control. And there's a lot of helplessness and grief. And so part of it is allowing those feelings to be present. And then also where can we find when we're ready? It's not a process we can rush. So for a while we can just feel terrible. That's a perfectly acceptable thing to do. And then at some point looking for places where like what feels meaningful? Where do we want to create a little bit of agency for ourselves? Um, where do we have a little bit of control, even in the things that we don't have control? How can we continue to have a relationship with who or what we've lost, but in a different way? Um, so it is universal and it is absolutely 100% different for every person and every kind of loss and different losses impact us in different ways because we have some losses that are more recognized culturally than others. So there's a lot of disenfranchised grief, which is the kind of grief where people don't recognize the loss in the same way, maybe losses that are more, more stigmatized. You know, that might be things like death by suicide. That might be things like placing a child for adoption. That might be things like infertility, things that kind of stay more under the radar and people don't feel the freedom to talk about. And so those have different kinds of um, you know, you carry different burdens with those kinds of grief than the ones that people are more accustomed to or more willing to talk about, feel less afraid of. Thank you. And like you said, grief is such a process. So how do you help individuals navigate the different stages of grief? And do you have any advice for individuals who might feel a little stuck in a particular stage? Sure. So one of the misconceptions about grief, and there are many, is that there are stages of grief. So um, that is a generally considered to be now a pretty like outdated and less helpful model and way to think about grief. Um, so instead, we think of grief as something to be integrated. So we need to somehow integrate our losses. So we need to allow the feelings that we have. Um, and at the same time, find a way forward, whatever that looks like and however that feels meaningful to us. And it's not a linear process. A lot of people feel quote unquote stuck when I think sometimes where that comes from is this idea that we're supposed to move on and feel better at some point. And while it is true that over time and as we get more support, our relationship with grief can change, that relationship will soften around the edges over time we will find different ways to be in relationship with it that don't feel as raw and overwhelming as they do in the immediate aftermath of the loss. However, it will always be with us. Like the things that we love, that we lose, we're always gonna love them. And so we're always gonna feel the pain of that loss. And so whenever people feel like they're stuck, what I typically find is they're trying to just not feel sad anymore or they just kind of want to like move on because that's what they think they're supposed to do. And also because feeling sad is deeply uncomfortable, right? None of us really want to stay in that place. And so paradoxically, a big part of being unstuck, if you want to term it that way, because a lot of people do, is to allow those feelings. And typically when people feel like they're not moving forward, they've been trying to push those feelings elsewhere. And sometimes they have to. So 
it's very common for people to have to delay grief because life happens. We have to go back to work. We have kids to take care of. We have, you know, responsibilities. Like not everyone has, basically none of us have the luxury of like taking all the time we need to feel our feelings. That's not how our culture works. A lot of times it's making room for those feelings to come in and creating safe containers so that you feel like you can be with those feelings with a little less overwhelm. Um, and doing the things that you can do to kind of shoulder yourself up, create a buffer for yourself, create support for yourself so that you have more ability to be, excuse me, to be with those feelings. Um, We have found for the individuals we work with, both prospective adoptive parents and prospective birth parents, that there's a lot of important um, milestones um, or dates that happen throughout the year, things like birthdays, Mother's Day, things like that. Um, that can be particularly difficult. Uh, do you have any, you know, coping strategies um, for managing their feelings around those sort of milestone dates? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's such a good question. Um, and I do have some thoughts about that. So one is, again, we have to like acknowledge what's in the room. So naming grief, I think is really important. So if you're feeling grief on Mother's Day, if you're feeling grief, when another year starts, um, just letting yourself name and acknowledge that feeling. Um, and again, allowing those feelings to be present. I think it helps to have a plan and to hold it loosely. A lot of times our anxiety about these milestone dates comes because we're just kind of scared of how it's going to feel. We're afraid it's going to be overwhelming. There's a lot of anticipatory anxiety as those dates approach. And so sometimes it can help to have a plan. So what are the things that you know are not going to make this go away, but what are the things that make it just like a tiny bit better? So if you know that taking a walk helps it just be a little bit better, if you know that connecting with people who get it helps it be just a little bit better, if you know that practices like writing a letter or looking at photos, like kind of leaning in helps it feel a little bit better, maybe music, just having an outline for what you want that day to look like. You can also decide that that day is a day that you don't want to think about it and you're going to go to the movies or you're going to get a massage. Like you can also have a plan to do nothing. Like these are all valid options, but just decide ahead of time, try to feel into what you think you need and then give yourself permission when the day comes to bot- to completely ditch that plan and do something else if it doesn't feel right. So sometimes we just don't know how those days are going to land. Um, but it helps our brains to just rest a little bit if we feel like we have a plan. And it can help to do something meaningful, some kind of letter writing, ritual, some way to connect with what you've lost. Um, whether that's, you know, if there's a death, you might visit the graveside, you might be with people who also remember and love that person, whatever the case may be. Um, but it can, I, I find that help a uh, plan is helpful. And most people. I have heard say like, it's the anticipation of the date that actually is worse than the date itself. Mm-hmm. And also I will say it's a great time to stay off social media. Don't watch TV. Like, you know, don't check your email for all the Mother's Day stuff. Um, you know, those kinds of things like protect yourself. Like there's going to be a lot out there that bombards you at the holidays and when the new year comes and all those kinds of things. And it's okay to just cocoon up a little bit and stay away from some of those messages to protect your well-being. 
Right. And, you know, for the people that we work with and for any of our listeners who may be adoptive parents or birth parents, um, like you said, Jen, sometimes it can help to talk to other people who get it. And adoption is sort of a unique experience. And so just a reminder that we do have support groups, both for adoptive parents and birth parents. And if any of our you know, listeners are interested, please reach out and we can help um, set up some of those resources as well. Jen, how can setting realistic expectations for their, your own personal growth and healing positively impact individuals who may be grieving? Yeah, I mean, I think when we think about, first of all, it's often very hard to think about the future when you're grieving. So sometimes I think, you know, a perfectly acceptable goal is to survive. Like sometimes that's, that's a perfectly acceptable goal, um, particularly in early grief, um, caring for your body, like literally making sure you're drinking water and sleeping and trying to eat something and those kinds of things. That might be all you can do. It's really tempting to want to like get back to life. And I think part of what setting realistic goals is, is taking stock of like where you are and what resources you have and what it looks like to take care of yourself through a really hard time. And it, it's going to take longer than you think, um, you know, grief stays with us and that period where things feel difficult and rocky and hard. Um, I think people are surprised how much that ebbs and flows, how much they think they're kind of sort of quote unquote on the up and up, and then they get hit with a grief burst. Um, and so just, I, I'm very big on like just oodles of self-compassion, um, self-care. I like the word tending a lot. Like, how are you tending to yourself? How are you tending to your grief? This might not be the year for big goals. Having said that, goals can also help bring some meaning back for you. So, and I, I'm not really a goal person. I'm more of a intentions. Um, what feels meaningful? How do you want to feel this year? Like if you want to feel a little more peace, for instance, what feels peaceful? Like what help? like just being in nature, feel peaceful. Does the music feel peaceful? Find those things that bring you a little more peace. So I like to focus less on what you want to do and more about how you want to feel and what helps get you 1% closer to that. So we're not, this is all baby steps and that's how you create like sustainable change and really leaning into the things that feel meaningful for you. So in the wake of loss, it can be really easy to like lose sight of the things that matter to us in life. So what are your values? You know, what's most important to you in this life and how can you lean into that just a little bit more while being incredibly gentle with yourself along the way? And I think something that's hard is a lot of people find it really difficult to take that first step in their healing process. So what is your advice for individuals um, who may be thinking about, you know, seeking help and how can grief counseling provide them um, valuable support? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think part of what's hard is just when you're overwhelmed with grief, even thinking about finding resources is too overwhelming. So um, if you have places like Adoptions from the Heart, like other agencies that can do some of that legwork for you and help connect you, I think that's really helpful. And I think one of the things that happens with grief is we can really isolate a lot because uh, we feel like nobody gets it and nobody can get it. And so it feels better to just keep it. And when you talk about it sort of in the wider world, people don't get it. 
And so we get very accustomed to keeping it to ourselves. And there's a lot of healing to be had in just sitting down with someone who is going to be present with your pain and not try to fix it because everyone else in your life is going to want you to feel better because it's very uncomfortable for them to see you in pain. And so it can be really valuable to just have someone who's like not trying to fix it for you, just want to be present with you, can give you some coping tools. And I, I find, you know, just in general, gentle uh, grief work is very gentle. It's very much meeting a person where they're at. Um, you know, I don't come with any agenda to make anyone feel better. That's not my goal. My goal is to um, let people tell me what they're looking for and find baby steps and ways to get there. So I think like it, because grief is so stigmatized in our culture, it can be hard to imagine that there are people out there who actually know how to competently provide some support with that. And you might have to go through more than one counselor or go through more than one group. I mean, and support groups are also super helpful. Um, there's a lot, a lot of power in community and a lot of healing in community, particularly with grief, because it just, it can mean the world to talk to somebody who understands something about your experience. So the impulse is to hide away, but I would encourage people to just take one step and you don't have to do all of it. Find a group or find a therapist or read a book, anything, you know, go on online forums, like in the age of the internet, there's a lot more available to us um, and a lot of good resources out there. Thank you. Um, and Jen, do you have any just final thoughts or takeaways that you'd like to share with our listeners about navigating um, grief and loss? Um, grief is, you know, I've said this before, but I will say it again, like it's not something that we move on from. It's something that we learn to be with, something that we learn to carry. There are ways to do that. One of the things that's overwhelming about grief is just the idea that it's going to stay with us forever. And that can be. And on the one hand, we that's a truth that we have to be with so that we can allow ourselves to feel everything that comes up around that. But there is hope. It will change. It will soften. Um, there are resources out there. And just being exquisitely gentle with yourself. And grief is a feeling process. It's not a thinking process. You can't think your way through grief. You can't do your way through grief. You have to feel your way through grief. And that's a scary thing to do. I get it. It's super overwhelming. And that's why having these containers of support with a counselor, with a support group can be so helpful because you have someone there with you to be with those feelings um, so that it hopefully is a little less overwhelming. And the more that your grief is unrecognized um, by other people, I think even more important it becomes to seek out support for yourself because um, we're not meant to grieve alone. We are meant to grieve in community. We are meant to have our grief witnessed and having that grief witnessed and held by someone else is such a powerful thing and a, can be a really healing experience. Um, thank you so much. Jen, for sharing all of this information that's just so valuable for us and for our listeners um, and understanding more about the challenges that come from grief and loss um, and the realistic ways that they can learn to deal with some of those um, feelings that they're going through. 
I want to thank you, Jen. This information is so valuable to especially the population that we work with, with expectant parents, birth parents, and adoptive parents. Not always, but often adoptive families come to us after suffering loss through possible fertility issues. And I think it's important to remember when they come to us, you know, adoption becomes plan A, but they were, they will still continue to go through grief. And with working with expectant and birth parents who make an adoption plan, you know, that can be a lifetime and not putting that timeline or a specific way to get through it, like you said, or think your way through it. I think that was really helpful for us as social workers to understand the lifelong process of this grief. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that. And I was hoping that you can share with our listeners anywhere to reach you or, or find resources for you. Yes, yeah, so you can find me at my website, jenoglesby.com. Um, I also have a weekly newsletter called The Comfort Corner. It's free. Um, it's meant to pro help people feel seen and supported in their grief. So you can sign up there. Um, I do provide grief counseling therapy to Pennsylvania residents, both in person and virtually. So if anyone is looking for support, I have an office in media. And then I also provide telehealth services to all Pennsylvania residents. And I'm sometimes on Instagram <laughs> um, at Jen Oglesby. Um, so you can find me there as well. Thank you. You know, talking to you, I, I have a better understanding that there aren't answers and mm -hmm. um, just being there with somebody. So I really appreciate you sharing that. To our listeners, thank you again for joining us for another episode of a Heart to Heart with Adoptions from the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Elise. And I'm Nicole. Please rate and subscribe to this podcast. You can learn more about Jen and the work she does by going to her website at jenoglesby.com. It's J-E-N-N-O-G-L-E-S-B-E-E.com. If you have not already, please head over to our website at afth.org for more information on our services for pregnant people, prospective adoptive parents, and professionals looking to learn more about adoption. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to connecting again soon.